June 28, 2021. So watch for Pedro Show.
Lot for Pedro show. Happy Monday, people. Uh, we started with yeah. This is good to know. Well, maybe not good, to know, but it, it's uh, yeah. At a John Coltrane session, they can blow clams. <laughs> so this is Naima, but it ain't the whole thing. They had to stop. I don't know who blew the clam, but you can hear uh, Rudy Van Gelder uh, call for the next day. And then we had Tom Dill solo s- surge or Sergey surge. Yeah. Okay, surge. Okay. Ah, you could tell people I'm not man alone. Brother Matt's in Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point, a couple miles south. But uh, through those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got Mr. Tom Dill. Welcome aboard, Tom. <laughs> okay. And, and triple, <laughs> the, the... the name of that tune was Triple X. Oh, yeah. Now, when I think of Triple X, I think of those posts on the street in Amsterdam. <laughs> Because in the old days, right, people couldn't read and write most. And so they had symbols for the towns. And I think Amsterdam's was triple X. And that ended up being like kind of the symbol for uh, X-rated movies and shit. <laughs> oh, that's where that came from. Yeah, I well, think that, so. That triple that X on that title just refers to that particular surge instrument is something I put together a couple of years ago. And it's three layers of triple wide uh, panels, which is a little bit geeky. Nobody needs to know any more than that, but it's triple X. <laughs> you, but you're saying is pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. That's right. <laughs> Tom, I want to learn a, a little bit about your journey through music. Can you bring us your earliest musical recollection? Uh, I'll tell you the story. Um, this is one of the very earliest, and, and this is a story about the power of sound which is that uh, when I was five years old, we moved to a farm in the middle of Indiana and we're kind of poor and uh, couldn't pay rent, 
weren't eating very much. My dad decided to raise some pigs. So I don't know if the pigs are already there, if he bought them. But anyway, we had pigs on this farm. And where the pigs grow up, where they raise the little piglets, is in these little houses that look kind of like big dog houses. And what would happen is the sows, the mothers, would end up pushing them all over the field. And they'd get all scattered around. And it was it, my dad didn't like that. So he chained them together about 18 inches apart or maybe less than that. And the piglets would get stuck. They'd wander in between the houses and they'd get stuck and they'd start screaming their heads off. Wee! Wee! Like that. And uh, I had already discovered that I could imitate all kinds of sounds pretty well when I was five years old. And on a farm, there were lots, lots of sounds and mouth sounds and stuff. So I'm standing out there like a <laughs> dumbass out in the field and I start imitating one of these baby pigs squealing in distress. Yeah, and, and a mother sow rushed me. She Whoa. came running at me with her, and they got big fucking teeth. Oh yeah, I've I've heard of them eating people or eating off arms and legs and shit. Yeah, she would have ripped my leg off. Luckily, I, I I ran to the pickup truck that was there. I jumped in the bed, and she jumped up in after me. Oh. Half of her anyway. She got her front legs up there. She's clawing and snapping at me, and uh, man, I saw. <laughs> I didn't see my life flash in front of my eyes because I hardly had no life. Right. <laughs> but my dad came over and whacked her with a shovel, and that was the end of it. But, you know, that that's, you know, five years old. I remember that really clearly. Oh, yeah. So Branded I thought, yeah, sound, man. Don't fuck around with sound. No. Or be a, get, or you're going to get the karma backhand. Yeah. Wow, that, that's a trip. So, in this, besides, you know, the pig sounds... Was there musical instruments in this pad you grew up? Yeah, there was a, when we moved there, there was an old piano there, and my mom started to restore it. She was an artist, an artisan, and knew how to do woodworking and stuff. So she started to restore it, and I started to play it, and I started picking out tunes and, you know, stuff I heard on TV and cartoons and songs and everything. You're saying, uh, Tom, you're self-taught? You didn't go through the lessons thing? Well, I did here and there. Um... They tried to give me lessons when I was about 12. That didn't work very well. Uh, I sort of learned to read music. I got the very rudiments. And then I just kind of studied on and off, went through some schools. And then... Uh, yeah, let me ask you about school. Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? No, I didn't do any of that. And, you know, for a trumpet player, that's kind of a disadvantage because practically <laughs> every, every brass player I ever meet, they just kind of take it for granted that you went through band in high school or college right and i didn't have any of that and uh well can i ask you when you were young the first record you bought with your own money <laughs> <laughs> roger miller dang me. oh wow dang me yeah <laughs> well he had a few hits right you know yeah I love, roger miller. yeah I love that sense of humor man yeah, I just, absolutely and he's just goofy and, and nutty. And, you know, for a country star, he was kind of sophisticated. He didn't dress like a hick. Right. And my dad hated all that kind of stuff. He didn't want his kids to be hicks. Like, he kicked me once for saying ain't. Whoa. <laughs> he said, you know, you, we don't talk that way in this family. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, we got off the farm and got kind of back a little more suburban and then uh, when I started high school, we moved to Taos, New Mexico, and that was a trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got a big uh, solar-powered radio station there, but I've never 
got to play there yet. One day. Can I ask you first record you bought with your own money? Uh, you already asked that, but yeah, but I didn't uh, get an answer. <laughs> oh, it was oh, dang me! It was dang yeah, me! Dang Fucking me. damn dang me! Damn me for being so stupid, Tom. Okay, yeah, but I tell, you, I tell you another one. My sisters and I found this really weird, messed up record in a in a like uh, uh, what's that place? You know, the, the Salvation Army. Yeah, we found this weird record there called Delirium and Hi-Fi which is kind of legendary now among, among, you know, audio heads because it has like some of the earliest tape manipulation and echo and shit like that. And this is the record has the first instance, you know, that, you know, twin peaks, right? Uh, uh, Lynch, David Lynch. Yeah. David Lynch. Well, there's this famous thing where he recorded a guy talking backwards and then he plays that backwards. So you get this really weird kind of disembodied voice right. that you can you can understand the words, but it's all backwards recorded. So this record, Delirium and Hi-Fi, has somebody singing that way. Wow. They recorded her backwards, and then they played the tape backwards when they made the mix. And that was that was the thing that really warped my mind, that whole record. Was it it's kind of related, related to that? What was his name? Les Baxter, The Bachelor Pad? kind of stuff yeah kind of but with this weird More European cafe music twist because it's got it's got polkas and marches and waltzes on it and it's not really lounge music it's okay. just the weirdest shit okay. but it, <laughs> made, it, it made an impression it, on you. it made an impression on you though what, oh, about, yeah. what about the first gig you saw oh the first gig i saw was well <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing but uh I got into Bach, so I got into Bach organ music, and there was this guy, uh, Virgil Fox, who was very, very uh, flamboyantly gay, and uh, I, I really wanted, and he came through Indiana, so I, that was like the first gig I saw was Virgil Fox, and they had a light show with it too. He had all these young hippies working for him, so he's playing Bach organ music um, with with this light show. But I kind of missed rock and roll. I, I, you know, when we moved to Taos, I fell in love with early jazz, and uh, all through college, I only one went to one like big stadium show, and that was Parliament Funkadelic. Ah, great! Which one? Like Mothership? I saw that tour. It was right after Mothership tour. It was the Motor Booty Affair. Motor tour. Booty Affair. Okay. <laughs> yeah, flashlight and shit like that. Look, oh man, can, it was amazing! It was amazing. It was at the Denver Coliseum, and you know there were twenty thousand people there at least. And it was so weird because at the beginning of every song, we were up in the cheap seats. At the beginning of every song, everybody would stand up and dance around for about thirty seconds, right. and then they'd sit down and start talking to each other. Yeah, yeah, that same thing happened here, and there was a lot of mint smell because like dust was big then. This is here in uh, Long Beach, across the harbor from me. Can, can I ask you? Okay, so you, you're on the piano and stuff. What 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 made you make the move to trumpet? Miles Davis. Ah, okay, okay, East St. Louis guy. I think born in Alton, but across the river. So hearing a record, or did you get to see him play? I got to see him play once. I heard I heard records for a long time before I saw him. And uh, I I kind of worked my way up from the very earliest jazz all the way to Albert Eiler and shit on my own. And uh, 
I just kept going. I just kept seeing stuff. And I go, well, this looks like the next step. This looks interesting. And Miles Davis was somewhere in there. And I heard this record. It's famous of him playing with Thelonious Monk. And they play this thing called Bags Groove, which is a blues in half. And uh, there's something about Miles' attack of the note that almost sounds like somebody whispering in your ear. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he I used to mute and shit. Great. I think, I think uh, Bags was a nickname for Milt Jackson. That's right. He had bags under his eyes. Right, and he played Vibes. And there's a Co-Train record, right? Bags and Train. I want to yeah. play something from you called Mound of Sound. Thank you. 
off for Pedro's show. Started that chunk of music off with Mount of Sound. Now, Tom likes to, I guess he renames his name for each kind of prod. So this is called Tom Dill Solo Electronics. But he'll enlighten us to more stuff about it in just a sec. I'm an extension cord for your love, baby, from Bombas Prendon. Grass Dance by Kenderplex. Then Tom Dill Solo 1989 with Tombo. Tombo is a Japanese word for dragonfly. That's cool. Maybe it's a coincidence. Okay. Port Sunshine from uh, Hamburg after that ensemble. Yeah, they're good luck, right? Because they eat fucking uh, mosquito babies. And then and growl, growl Pops. <laughs> That's a great title. Growl Pops. Sorry. Growl Pops from Tom Dill Solo Electronics. So tell us about these uh, three things I did by. Well, uh... Mount of Sound was a collaboration or came out of a collaboration with an author named Lisa Marganelli who wrote a book about termites called Underbug. The most and, uh, populous animal on the planet, right? You know about that because all our houses, they're chowing them. Yeah. Yeah, and, and some of them just, you know, they live in the ground and uh, and they, they form these weird... Mounds, um, mounds. These weird kind of... Uh, Oh shit! What's that word? <laughs> like mounds, like big old mud uh, castles. Yeah, but at the, at the center of the nest, there's this big mat of of fungus, and the fungus, you know, lives off them, and they live off the right, fungus. Right, right, right. And uh, yeah. So anyway, she came out from New York and did a couple of readings, and I accompanied her. And she supplied some termite recordings. I can't remember the name of the person who recorded them. It's a German fellow, but um, you can hear some of his termite recordings in there. And then uh, some things that sound like termites are synthesized. And then, you know, I just kind of put it together into a collage. So so t tell me about the first gig you did on trumpet. Well, for, for one thing, are you self-taught on the trumpet, like the piano? Um... I am mostly self-taught. I had like two years of serious study with real trumpet guys and then a couple of workshops with guys like Leo Smith and Lester Yeah, Bo. Wado. Yeah, a great cat, man. Inspiration. Yeah. I got to see him play a few times. Yeah, I think he's at Cal Arts here. Um, in fact, he was mentored to some of the people that have been on this show. So Definitely. Can, can you remember your first gig? Was it man alone or was it part of an ensemble? <laughs> I was playing like ragtime piano for silent movies in Taos. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So like, like kind of filler, but also interpretate, uh, interpreting what's up on the screen and shit. Yeah. I knew like two ragtime pieces and I knew how to play, um, diminished arpeggios so whenever it got scary i played the diminished <laughs> arpeggios and whenever whenever it was happy i played the ragtime <laughs> right 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 and i would like to apologize to all the people who were in the audience for those kids <laughs> and what kind of movies were they all the classics you know okay. buster keaton charlie chaplin okay, okay, yeah. yeah but but yeah you made them new again right <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What about the first time on the trumpet in front of people? Oh, that was in college. Uh, some friends and I had a very bad jazz group. <laughs> we used to play. We used to play the Thelonious Monk song "Bemshaw Swings," only we yeah. called it "Bemshaw Doesn't Swing." <laughs> 
Oh, that German, that German word, far from grooving. <laughs> far from grooving, yeah. Right. Or like if you had too many, well, not enough beers, but far from puking. <laughs> okay. So, so and, and then the electronic thing? The electronic thing came along in college, too. Um, the school where I went to, Colorado College, uh, as an undergrad, they um, they got this huge grant from David Packard. So they built a whole concert hall building, music building. And in one of the rooms, they installed the biggest analog synthesizer that was ever made, which is the uh, Synthy 100 by EMS. Um, and uh, it's like... It was huge. It was like, and you know, all analog. And that's where I just started to get a taste for it. Was it a whole room? Because there was this thing called Tonto the Incredible Headband or some shit. You know about this? It was used on three of the oh, Stevie Wonder records. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, that 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 instrument is like kind of technically it's several instruments put together. Yeah, that's the EMS right. was one integral instrument. Okay. Um, but it, it was that big, yeah. And, uh, it was that big. And big tape machines. So I got I got my first taste of working with multi-track tape and stuff like that. Okay. That's, well, that's, you know, there's nothing 100% wrong with institutions because there's no way you could have afforded that shit, right? No, no. It, it, you know, I when I got my first synthesizer, frankly, I, pretty much my mom paid for it. Well, and was it was it one with the keyboard, or was it one with just like oscillators and filters? And... It's very similar to the surge I have now. It was it was it was all surge stuff, which at the time you could buy as a kit and put it together. Um, the PC boards were already populated, but you just wire those to the front panel and install all the jacks and knobs. Um, so that took about four years to put all that together. And then I kept that instrument for another 15 years, and that's what Tombo was made on. So Tombo is trumpet blown, blown through the surge um, with lots of filtering and, and, uh, and frequency modulation and stuff like that. Did you ever get into using the tape recorder, because you were talking about tape machine at the school, as an instrument? I did, but I never had uh, a reel-to-reel. -reel. I, I, I tried to work with cassette machines. So, um, you know, it's very limited, but I did a lot of cassette tape pieces, and I would do things like, you know, interrupting with pause button and re-recording stuff and then trying to cover up the erase head so that you would get sound on sound. And it was all so lo-fi, I never released any of it. Yeah, you know... There's a song on the end of one of those dinosaur records where that's what Lou Barlow did. He called it Polito. And, you know, bouncing, bouncing, the hiss would like end up bogarting whatever sound was on there. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did a couple of pieces like that. I took, I took the quietest music I had in my collection, which was Weyburn's Opus 27 piano solo, and I re-recorded it. Uh, I don't know, many generations as loud as uh, and overdriven as I could until it was completely just <laughs> and then I took, I tried the, the other experiment was taking um, Jimi Hendrix's uh, All Along the Watchtower and recording that as quietly as I could and that, that didn't really work Okay, Bobby Dylan, <laughs> sorry what, what about this growl pops bops, growl bops 
I'm not sure what piece that is. Let me let me look at my <laughs> notes. I didn't, you know, it's a Watt for Peter show. There's no uh, um, hard questions, no wrong answers. <laughs> Everybody wins. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's just an honor to have you aboard, Tom, really. We're at the end of the first hour, uh, June 28, 2021. This Watt Peter show special guest, Tom Dill. Hold tough for hour two. June 28, nope, yeah, June 28, 2021, second hour of the lot from Pedro Show.
for Pedro show. There are some advantages uh, to it, though, because you're always hearing new tunes, meeting new people, and playing new venues. <laughs> so it's not all bad. Uh, start the second hour out, people, with Cassette 1982 from Tom Dill Solo. And then we had Echolocution from Euphotic. Oh, yeah. Help me out here, Tom. That's all, that's all correct. But, well, uh, enlighten us to the substance. Um, cassette nineteen A two is just the second piece on the A side of cassette nineteen, which is, um, that's uh, mostly Eurorack electronics, which is just a another format. It's all the same kind of stuff, oscillators and stuff. And so I set up like a, a several several layers of beats going at different rates and different. Uh, um, different numbers of beats, like a nine against eight and stuff like that. And then uh, put this distorted trumpet over it. That's pretty much what that is. And it's one of the few beat-oriented pieces I've, I've done lately. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, is that's not your general way of composing? Like you set up a rhythm and then go on top? Um, well, I do that kind of work, but usually um, when I go back to it, I'm just kind of bored by it. I, I just don't like periodic music, at least. I mean, I like plenty of pop music and stuff like that, but it's just not what I want to do. I'd like to do yeah, stuff yeah. that you mean, hasn't, can I, hasn't can, done or isn't done very much. Yeah, can I ask you, like, event-driven versus time-driven? Uh... Yeah, I guess event-driven, yeah. Yeah, 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 because, yeah, what do we call dance or pop music, right? Very time-driven, right? Yeah, well, you know what, remember what Captain Beefheart said about that mama heartbeat? He just yeah. wasn't wasn't down with it. No, no, no. But it's funny, he was the hugest blues fan in the world, and they ain't a lot of fucking, you know, fives and oh. sevens and nines going on there. Oh, well, uh, you know, to my mind, he was the greatest white blues musician that ever lived or ever will. Well, he had a huge knot. Have you read the Mike Barnes book on him? No. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, you can follow that book because he talks about the recording of all 12 albums over 17 years. Every song, and you can listen to YouTube.com and read along. And it's quite a trip. Yeah, this thing about he claimed he, uh, you know... He wasn't doing a Howlin' Wolf thing, but he knew all about Howlin' Wolf. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course he did. I'll tell you the funniest story. I, you know, Jim Dandy from Black Oak, Arkansas was solo, and he wouldn't carry a band. So a guy I knew in Memphis was going to be in the backup band, and be, right before they go on stage, they get in a big old fight over whether Captain Beefheart was bullshit. This is Jim, <laughs> Jim Dandy man from Black Oak. And I think it's because of the, of the Howlin' Wolf voice. Because they both kind of used it, right? Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, I wouldn't say he. He just, at least on his on his most well known later recordings, he wasn't just copying. No, no, no. I'm not. I don't mean to be like that. Like, uh, here's the example. I mean, Tom. Like, I write a novel, and I don't write. I don't invent one word. I use all the words other people are using. I still can make an original book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, if you listen to a tune like Electricity, when he does that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love that. That's pretty close to Howlin' Wolf. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. that that's a great but later voice. stuff. You know, he's evolved it into different variations on that voice and other voices. You know, that weird kind of, oh, kind of screaming. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Moonlight on the mouth. But then Ashtray Hart is kind of a comeback to that. You, know, you crushed yeah. me out. I was burning. <laughs> Yeah. Now, oh, I was lucky enough to see that band in concert. I only oh. got to see uh, the 1980 band, right? Uh, that one oh. there, Dock at the Radar Station. They were so great. And they took all that weird Trout Mask replica stuff, and they swung the crap out of it. Oh, yeah, different drummer. It's not John French. It's Robert Williams, right? Yeah, not to diss Don French, except as a writer, he's no good. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of bitter a little bit. His Beefheart book, it's just like the same bitter stories over and over again. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. Anyway, the the way that, uh, what's that guy's name? Robert? Williams. uh, Yeah, Robert Williams. Not the artist man, but the guy Johnny Rotten beaten up. Yeah, yeah. Judge Judy, Eric Drew Feldman, and all those. Guys. Eric Drew Feldman, it's, great on the bass, man. In fact, they started with Candy Corn, and he he did a bass solo. So, um, about the time I was buying my Surge stuff, Eric Drew Feldman was, you know, he's in Beefheart's band. He's also working for Surge in San Francisco. So I kind of saw him. I didn't get to meet him, uh, but I did meet this guy named. Uh, Oh, the guy named Easy Teeth. Uh, oh, yeah, Beefheart. Ramirez. Cliff Ramirez. Uh, he's a No, big... not him. Oh. No. Um, oh, God. Cliff, Cliff Martinez? No, no. He wasn't in the band. He was Beefheart's road manager. Oh, okay. He this guy managed... I'm talking about was the drummer on Ice Cream for Crow, and he ended up doing a lot of movie soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's fantastic. Cliff Cliff Martinez. That's his name, Cliff Martinez. And he never got to do a gig because they did a video. And Hat Size Schneider went over to bass and uh, had Jeff Morris Tepper on guitar. I, yeah. I, I, I want to play uh, 21 Grand 2011.
out for Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with. Uh, now, this is an ensemble here, right? Dill, Ingalis, Robert, Khan, Mosslang, Mueller from 21 yeah. Grand, 2011. Then we had something from Roscoe Mitchell. Great oh. musician, man, right? With Sandy Ewan, uh, Damon Smith, and Weasel Walter. This is part three of five. A Railroad Spike Forms the Voice. Just came out. Uh, and then Tom Dill with... Tom Dill, people, without other parts in the name. <laughs> but but one word, of course. Uh, Hack, Hack Mitty Bagantellen 4A plus B. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These titles. Do the titles come first or after? Um... Well, the name of the band, if there's a band or a project, that comes after the title. Okay. So Hack Mitty is the name of the project. Bagatelle and 4A plus B is two two pieces from the Hack Mitty Bagatelle series jammed together. But this is you, this man alone, right? But the other the yeah. other piece is a, an ensemble. Tell me about the uh, ensemble. Yeah, that big six-man group was uh, kind of an offshoot of a project I've done since about 2006 called Grosse Abfahrt, which is the idea of taking uh, these Bay Area cats who all know each other well and have played with each other and improvised together and know each other's language, and then putting them together with uh, a bunch of people from outside the Bay Area, usually Europe, and, uh, and they all have their own language and way of playing together, and just seeing what happens when you have these two really strong kernels put together playing music all together, right? So you have three people who know each other really well on each side, but they those two groups don't know each other at all. Yeah. So it's an experiment in this kind of social aspect of improvised music. And uh, this particular group, these guys from Europe, they they were, at the time, they were leading exponents, if you will, of, of what used to be called lowercase or reductionist type music. So there's, there's big, big, big spaces in that music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think a slits had a song where the lady said silence is a rhythm too. Oh yeah. I remember that song. Yeah. Cancer killed her. It's terrible. But uh, that's a great line. I think it was called, yeah, in the beginning, a rhythm, something about rhythm. Uh, but but the idea of juxtaposing uh, the per- personas like he did, kind of a casting director for a trippy mu- a movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always been interested in the kind of social side of improvised music. You know, you have a bunch of people together and we're sort of conversing and sometimes arguing and sometimes ignoring each other. Um, so, and then there's this, you know, this idea of a shared language and a language that is maybe known but not spoken. All these kind of things kind of get thrown into that mix. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, trying to find words for something that's that ha- actually happens. It's natural phenomena. But and you're right about personas. I think sometimes we try to separate that, but music's an extension of your own personal expression. Yeah. Unless you yeah. jive and just trying to fool somebody. And John Coltrane said a, a real musician they can tell when something's phony. <laughs> yeah, that's why I always play him at the beginning of my shows. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, June twenty eighth, twenty twenty one, the Dish Watt Pedro show. Special guest Tom Dill. 
Hold on for hour three. June 28, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pete Rose Show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour. Tender Buttons. This actually has a name, people. I'm going to prize with uh, Tom Dillon the name. It's entitled Fantasy 2017. And then we had something that uh, Blake Edwards turned me on to. Uh, big here, inspiration to me was Zev. Seeing him in the 70s come play the Hong Kong Cafe at Chinatown here. Uh, and he had a project called Oons. And this is something from uh, the Tivoli in San Francisco, 1981, part two of three that he flowed me. Says number one. T- tell me about Tender Buttons, Tom. Oh, so that's a trio uh, that uh, was formed in around 2016 with uh, me and Gina Robert, whose name you probably know, yeah. uh, who was involved in just a million projects uh, here in the Bay Area and beyond. Uh, really super talented uh, composer, improviser, percussionist, electronic musician, organizer. And uh, on piano is Tanya Chen, or as she calls herself now, Tanya Caroline Chen, who's from London. So she kind of brings that whole London improviser school sensibility. Um, she studied with um, for people whose names I've forgotten. <laughs> what, Derek Bailey, AAM, or stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as a p- piano player there. Anyway, um, she is... She is big also in the new music world, so she can play all that Morton Feldman and John Cage stuff. Uh, but when she sits down at the piano, it's just incredible the concentration and focus and drive she brings to our music. Um, you know, Gino and I are just trying to hold on. <laughs> so that that is from our second recording. We we did both at Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, which is now a historical artifact. Right. The, the House of Creedence built, but never got to record there. Yeah, and, and it goes way back. I mean, Bill Evans recorded oh, there. Pacific Jazz. Jazz, yeah. Well, so that recording is going to come out this summer, I hope. I, we don't have a title for that piece, but it's going to be on our next album. Oh, that's why Fantasy, it's a label. Or it's a studio, yeah. it's a studio. Okay. Label studio slash studio. Saul Zanz, yeah, John Fogarty, big fan, I know. <laughs> Actually, I had Doug Clifford on the show a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah? 18-inch hi-hats. I wouldn't shit you, Tom. 18-inch <laughs> hi-hats. And I, I got to ask him about that. Because I always heard that rumor. You know, I was... They they only lasted, uh, you know, as a big band three years. They did six albums in three years. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, I know. Different days. Of course, they were a bar band for 10 years before that, but no one knows <laughs> about that stuff. So I want to play this thing here called Kokuo. Kokuo, yeah. And the tune's called Sustrum. <clears throat> yeah, all the titles on that uh, were mine. They're all made-up words. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I thought it was like some part of, right? Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. We talk about it before or after. Okay, let's put it on now.
Life for Pedro, last music for this edition. Kokuo was named Proj, a tune is Sustrun. Then we had Headboggle, he was on the show a few weeks ago. Oh, uh, yeah. A W minus O plus Q minus H. <laughs> These titles, you know. And then finally, Beauty School is the name of the Proj. The tune is The Makeout Room. Enlighten us, Tom. So, uh, Kokuo is an all acoustic group. Uh, with Kyle Bruckman, who you should have on the show, man. Okay, you, no problem. He you is, know, almost he, all the guests I have on the show are connects from other dudes. It, you know, people ask me about the old days. I say it was about people. I think the new days is about people, too. Heck, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just getting together with people again after this stupid pandemic, and I just played two gigs in the last two weeks and uh, it's unbelievable. People are ready to get back together. Okay, so let's hear about this acoustic band. So, uh, okay, Kyle Bruckman on oboe and English horn. Uh, Kaneko Nishi-Smith, she plays uh, Koto, although you hardly ever can tell what the hell she's doing. (laughs) And and, uh, another great Bay Area uh, musician, uh, Jacob Felix Hewley, who has been in uh, a lot of uh, a lot of different groups, some kind of extreme noise groups and some super quiet groups, and uh, he's a great organizer too. He runs a he runs a series, a kind of a improv open mic thing up here called Doors That Only Open in Silence. So he basically <laughs> puts that only people. open in silence, but then you say he's part of the extreme noise. <laughs> yeah, he's in a in a group called Etric. Which is like, kind of like a, I don't know, yeah. it's sort of like Borbido Magus in a way. Okay. It's like they they just play as, and none of them play the instruments, and they play as hard as they can until they basically fall over. Okay. <laughs> Work the he room, right? Plays, it's an old vaudeville yeah, concept. He, he, he plays with a Norwegian group called Salt, and then uh, anyway, he's also in my group Beauty School. Okay, Which, tell, uh, tell me about beauty school. What's beauty school? Beauty school is sort of my, as far as I can take, extreme noise. Um, <laughs> okay. And uh, it's, a, you know, it's just kind of a power trio, electric trumpet, bass, and, and uh, drums. I like it. And uh, we improvise as long as we feel it's necessary. <laughs> so that make-out room, that make-out room piece was... Uh, 
Oh, I was trying to goof on Donald Trump, and I said something at the beginning about totally, totally, what do you call himself? A stable genius. <laughs> so that's sort of the title, and it was done at the makeout room here in the here in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, oh, fuck, why? Slow learner. I'm a slow learner. So, uh, Tom, where can people find you on the internet? Um... DJLL, um, no, is it bandcamp.djll.com? That's where most of my stuff is. Okay. There's and then no, I've, got, I've got my own website, yeah, which is tomdjll.com. Yeah, we should spell that out for people. T O M. Yeah, everybody always wants to add the I back in. Right, right. T O M D J L L dot com? Uh, yeah. Okay. Go there because, and then, uh, I mean, I love the way, you know, uh, well, what's your idea, genre? Because you say noise, extreme noise. I mean, I remember when there's all uh, rock, maximum rock and roll, right? There's crust, power yeah. violence. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> Punk is a guy getting fucked in jail for cigarettes. Okay, I can go that far. But the, the other <laughs> things, when you get into, you know, and being human is about nuance, right? Yeah. Not always being so stable a genius. Sometimes we got little layers of. So, so what, what's your 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 basic? Is music music in your mind? Yeah, and it's very hard to put music into words. That's I mean, we're lucky to have music because if we didn't have music, we'd have to only talk about something that was music that we'd have to imagine, and that would suck. <laughs> I think <laughs> Mr. Mingus said it was like dancing about architecture or some shit. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. But, but, but you, yeah, the right. music speaks for itself, and, and every, anything we say about it is a poor approximation. Absolute, absolute. And especially labeling, right? Then all of a sudden we're yeah, building I've, up. Yeah, I've always, I've always struggled with that. I mean, improvised music more describes a method, not a style. Right, absolutely. That, that, that's a great point. It's not a style. It's a method. It's a technique. So uh, most of my projects are improvised, and and you know it it results in in quite a variety, I think, of different kinds of music. Well, it probably matters a lot with the cats you're playing with, right? Absolutely, that's the biggest thing. My way of composing is putting together a group and selecting the people, and I'm lucky enough to have this huge, deep bench up here in the Bay Area yeah. of people to draw from. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can kind of relate because being a bass cat, you know, you look good making the other cats look good. I love those kind of politics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're an aider and a better. You're the you're the grout between the tiles. So, you know, and if you got, like you say, some vocabulary of tile, you got a big library to select from. Again, the cinema thing comes to mind, you know, the casting director. And then here's yeah. then the, the, the technique, improvisation. That's the Petri dish and see what's going to fucking happen. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. That's bitching. A big honor to have you aboard, Tom. Thank you so much, truly. Oh, thank you. And when you this get new stuff... Please come back on the show, and I will check out that oboe players. Uh, write me an email about that, please. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Th uh, safe season, brother. People, it's been June 28, 2021 edition of Wapito. She'll keep your powder dry. <laughs>